How's your weekend been? Eh, you? How are you? Almost done with my puzzle. Mm. Well, I don't know. I feel like I've done maybe like 60 to 65%, but I feel like it's at that stage where it's going to go faster. Mm. Mm. Cool. I intentionally picked this one so it didn't have a a million pieces that are just various shades of black or or dark brown. (laughs) So it's been a little bit easier to put together. Gotcha. Yeah, my weekend has been fine, in quotes. Mm-hmm. Everything these days is fine, in quotes. Sure, sure. Well, you ready to start the pod? Might as well. Hello, and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marcus Marks. Hi. Hello, hello. We're back this week. I don't know. We don't have like a name for our, our horror movie month. I feel like we should have came up with something, but oh, oh well. yeah. Horgasm. Sure. There you go. It's week two of the Horgasm. <laughs> this week we'll be talking about John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, 1982, I believe. There was a, an earlier thing, but we don't count that one. <laughs> There's also a later thing, and we don't count that one either. The, 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 you're talking about the Howard Hawks movie and then the yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winstead joint? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh uniquely titled the thing prequel which is just called the thing fuck mm-hmm. you <laughs> and then i think there was um there was like a video game sequel also called the thing <laughs> that is supposedly canon yeah yeah uh yeah uh, before we get to the thing what have you been watching i really haven't been watching that much this week i'm sad to say i'm going to be pretty boring in this portion what about you yeah no, to be honest, pretty much the same. I mean, you and I were busy doing editing all week at night, so yeah, we didn't have a ton of time. Um, I tried watching that South Park Pandemic special, just because oh. I think a few podcasts and you mentioned it. I made it like maybe 10 minutes in. It's exactly what you'd expect. It's just, I don't know, not a whole lot new there. It's Every character is pretty much who you, they're reacting how you'd expect. That was there's nothing like super cutting or biting or I don't know, interesting going on there. So I was like, yeah, I, I, there are other ways I could spend the next 30 minutes of my life. Here's what a bunch of libertarian edgelords think of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think that shows days are long, 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 long past it. Much like the Simpsons. Right. I mean, I, mean, I guess, the the I guess the Simpsons is still on. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't who's watched watching Simpsons in years. <laughs> You know, it's it's been longer from the Simpsons movie to now than it is from the beginning of the Simpsons to the movie. Yikes. If that makes sense. So, yeah, that show's been on forever. Was the movie, do you think, was that about the end of it? Like, I think it was already over by the time the movie came out, really. Or at least the movie's fine. The, what people think of as like the quality Simpsons, I think the movie is already after that period. Yeah. Because I mean, it's weird. Like, I I still have... Like embedded quotes that will come out from the Simpsons in mm-hmm. conversation that are like 20 plus years old now. Yeah, I've probably stopped watching the Simpsons like halfway through college. So it's been a while. <laughs> Which is the one that I, I quoted somehow the other day. I don't remember. It's like, don't bother me between four and five. That's Willie's time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I haven't really watched anything else. So what are you listening to? Uh, just all over the place. Nothing in particular. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I've just been adrift. You? Adrift. Uh, just folklore every night. 
I'm, I'm conditioning my body to just fall asleep when I hear that that album. So good time. Well, that's gonna be fun. <laughs> you gonna have some good times with that. What are you reading? I need to get like a folklore ringtone that goes off next time I see you. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Uh, I'm still reading the Secret History by Don and Chart. Okay. Well, I am uh, not reading the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, but in theory, I've got a vacation coming up. Maybe I'll finally finish it. Cool. Cool. How much uh, is the same amount as your puzzle done or left in that? There's probably like a quarter left. Mm. Um, I don't know. The problem is that the there's nothing really compelling me. There's nothing I really want to find out. There's yeah. no hook. I have other books that I've purchased. Like I probably have like 10 books that are just like sitting there waiting for me to read them, but I, I try not to skip around. So mm-hmm. just need to take the three or four hours it's going to require to plow through the rest of this. Do you think that was my realization? Cause it's like halfway through when they go into the hunger games. Right. And it was uh, like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't care if this girl lives or dies. I don't care. Snow falls on top. Fuck this. Snow falls on top. Uh, All right. Well, I think it's time for the thing. Oh, do we want to talk about our contest first? We we should. Yeah. I think we talked about it last time, but we'll reiterate it here. Uh, we have a new novel coming out. It's called Trouble Always Finds Me. It's about a girl detective named Trouble who solved mysteries. It is the second in a series. It's book two. So you probably want to read book one first if you've not. I mean, we could kind of get by on just book two, but That's you really want to, want to appreciate it. You mm-hmm. want to read book one as well. Um, but that comes out, you'll be getting this downloaded, I think on Monday is when this drops and that comes out on Tuesday and the next day. Mm. Uh, so you can, you can purchase it now on ebook or paperback from Amazon or Apple books, or it should be available from all the usual other booksellers that are out there Nook and Kobo and all that kind of stuff. Your corporate booksellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, your regular booksellers can order it as well. Yeah. Make them. If you'd like them to. Yeah. Get them to libraries the whole deal anyway that is coming out and we're gonna do a little contest uh if you get the book either in paperback or ebook form and take a photo of it uh, and then tweet that photo or instagram that photo and use the hashtag trouble always finds me we will notice we'll keep track of that who's keeping track of that are you doing that or am i doing that (laughs) i guess i can one of us is going to keep track of that and then we will tally all the names up. You can double dip. You can do both Instagram and Twitter if you want to get you know double credit there. Mm. We will tally all the entries up and have a little drawing. And we'll pick two people. And the people who win, they can host a podcast with us. They can co-host. Uh, they can either do a headcanon where you can pick a movie or you know maybe a couple episodes of a TV show. Or you can be on one of our PLL commentary podcasts where you can do commentary track with us on an episode of PLL of your choosing. So lots of incentives. Go buy that book because it's a good book and then advertise it on the internet for us. Mm. And then maybe you could be on our podcast. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> if you don't have a Twitter or Instagram, you can just email us uh, at broswatch or broswatchfield to at Gmail. And uh, you know, you can enter that way, mm-hmm. but you won't be double dipping. That's true. Mm. All right. Cool. I think we covered all the basics there. Yeah, I'll enter uh, that contest too. That'll be fun. Uh, do you count? I feel like uh, <laughs> friends and family can't participate type of thing. I have no friends. I have no family. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the thing. Okay. Do you have an opening statement? 
Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so this movie, just think, this movie came out the same day as Blade Runner. Another movie about a test to see if somebody's human or not. Um, it's obliterating its box office by a little movie called E.T. Uh, this movie's a slow burn. It's like, uh, I don't know, like my personal, it's a classic of my personal canon. Um, I love it. It's an effects-heavy movie for sure, but there's long stretches of it where it's just a big ensemble of dudes who don't trust each other. And it just really builds and builds and builds into this like almost orgasmic release of fucking chaos just spews out of it. Uh, it's also incredibly well cast in the sense that not only do you have some of the most character actoriest character actors of the 1980s, these like real schlubby hunks, um, but you really get a sense of these roles just easily with the casting. Like I think when you cast Wilford Brimley, you fucking know what you've got. Um, it's also got some fantastic good dog acting, 13 out of 10. It's a hell of a pitch for a J and B commercial. Um, this movie ran so that Annihilation could jog slowly alongside of it. Um, it's John Carpenter's favorite movie of the movies he's directed, with good reason, I think, even though it was like super panned and hated when it came out. Um, it's a tight little concept. The illusion of safety stripped away. The idea that anyone could be, you know, something else, this thing. It feels like a good quarantine, a good 2020 movie in like so many different ways. Um, I'm not typically into body horror stuff. Uh, and this movie is fucking disgusting in places. But it never like totally dwells on it, which I appreciate. Um, it, like it makes its point and then it gets out of that scene in a kind of absurd, surreal way. And then it becomes like this almost isolated murder mystery in which the killer is constantly changing, which I don't know, sexually excites me. Um, yeah, I just kind of I, I think it's great for us to watch now because it kind of ties into how America's bad and we're dealing with we're bad at dealing with the invisible. Um and I just, I don't know, I love all the little tricks in this movie. That The way it always just stays on people's faces. Uh, it's not a lot of, like, you know, in the back of their head. There's really, it's really treating this paranoia in this guessing game. There's a fascinating amount of Fade to Blacks. And it has one of the most meta quotes of all time for modern living. Nobody trusts anybody, and we're all very tired. And see. All right. Oh, I'd say um, good timing for this movie. Uh, timing of a little bit of a revival right now, because there's this video game called Among Us. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, uh, but it's uh, pretty much all about social manipulation and paranoia uh, that's on this display in this movie. Uh, we can talk about it Among Us later, but I think the thing is a great example of a simple concept executed well that really provides for endless analysis and interpretations beyond the surface text. I've seen essays that talk about the film being, you know, Cold War paranoia. I've seen comparisons to homosexuality and AIDS. Uh, people have written about, you know, the masculinity on display and how that's the character's undoing. And, of course, you can find just countless theories on uh, which character, if any, is the thing at the end. Hmm. Um, in a way, it really doesn't matter what John Carpenter intended. Um, that's kind of the the beauty of the text there. It's reserved, spare dialogue mixed with this over-the-top, horrific gore scenes. Just a, a great canvas that you can explore all kinds of interpretations. Uh, as a movie itself, I think it's incredibly watchable. Even though most of it is just guys standing around talking indoors, there's the mystery quality to it where you're kind of watching and pay attention to each character, looking for the hint that one of them might be the thing. And also just during a pandemic, the infection angle of the story feels extra impactful. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is a very unique movie with some great Kurt Russell hair and uh, just a ton of fun to rewatch. And hats. Yeah, he's got some hats too. He's got a crazy sombrero. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Top moments. How many do you got? I have six. I have seven. Okay. Uh, my number seven moment is my least favorite scene. Mm. It's Norris's body in the infirmary. 
That's your least favorite scene? It's it's fucking horrific. It's disgusting. <laughs> like the thing, it erupts into a thing, like a giant head that comes out of its stomach, and then like the actual head plops off and grows spider legs and crawls away. It's horrific. It's not my cup of tea. It's shockingly funny and it's escalating absurdness. Like the point when they they've been focusing on the big fucker, and then like Palmer just kind of like turns and looks at the little head spider crawling away and he's just like what the fuck and it's like yeah i think that would be all of us in this scene all right my number six is the first encounter with the thing in the the dog kennel there which is just absolutely disgusting and the the way all the little weird tentacles and shit are like coming out of the dog's fur Mm. um this movie's incredibly gross uh yeah, that whole sequence. It almost looks for a sec like the thing gets away. It does, right? Like, it, yeah. They burn yeah. something, but it it seems like something like goes through the roof there. Yeah, yeah. Also, from like a puppetry standpoint, they really learned something that I, not that I like them as much, but like the aliens movies got, which is like just everything being wet will buy you a lot of runway. <laughs> The wetter it is. Um, it's a real wet movie. It's a super wet movie. The Thing fucks. Um, my number six is uh, the fucking comedy that is Wilford Brimley going crazy and fucking up the radio room with an axe and holding everyone at bay with a gun. No one's getting out of your life, god damn it. Um, like he shoots his gun at Keith David like an old-timey, I don't know, like like Western guy at one point. And then like when he runs out of bullets, he throws the gun at him. And they eventually charge him at a table to catch his accent. And it looks like Wilford Brimley is swimming like a real axe at them. I don't know. There's a lot of just unintentional humor with Wilford Brimley to me. He wants right. to be us. Yeah, he's really getting that a lot of dialogue in that scene. My number five is uh, McCready saying, I know I'm human. And he's kind of like laying out the rules to all of them. Uh, you know, if, if, if you were all these things, then you just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. Uh, thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an invitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and then it has no more enemies. Nobody lets kill, and then it's one. So it's like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie, we know where we're at now. There's a much more, I think, indicative of this movie bit of dialogue we'll get into later, but yeah. Um, my number five, it's another small moment. It's uh, it's a small moment. It's after the dog pen attack. It's, to me, just the LOLs of Wilford Brimley doing his autopsy. As he's just like prying apart like new disgusting layers of this thing, and he's just like, "Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god!" Apparently, even though he's like retching throughout the scene, he's the only actor who wasn't uncomfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like real organs that they put inside like a puppet. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I normally can't stand this shit, but I love this movie. Yeah, I I wonder if this is the first time watching it. Like, I'm fairly desensitized to that type of gore, but. Yeah, I wonder at the time. I mean, it, a lot of the bad reviews it got were because the gore was like just too much for people. I believe that New York Times called it instant trash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number four is the, the head that falls off and hides under the desk and then it like grows <laughs> these little spider legs. It's just, it just keeps escalating. You're just like, Jesus Christ. And then the one guy, I think the classic line, he says, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, that's right. You got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just spider legs. Like, has little, like, eye things that pop out of the top. Yeah. Which, so smartly, it's, like, done in, like, shadow or, like, in silhouette. So, it's, like, you don't even have to focus on the ridiculous puppet nature of it. Um, number four is 
there's just another small moment where they've decamped. I don't know why all my moments are Wilford Brimley centric so far. They've decamped Blair to the tool shed. So McGreedy goes to check on him, Kurt Russell. And Blair is just sitting at the table playing solitaire or something. He's totally calm now. And he's just like, I feel better. And I'd like to come back inside. I'm not going to hurt anyone. You've got my word on that. And there's just like a fresh noose hanging from yes. the ceiling between them <laughs> that they don't talk about at all. Uh, let's see. Number three is when Nalls, uh, the cook, is at the end. He's walking down the hall um, with the flashlight flickering because uh, I think Gary's gone quiet. And he's like, how's it going? How's it coming down there? And just, I don't know, that shot of him walking away from the camera down this hall with his flashlight kind of flickering in and out. It's just really spooky. Mm-hmm. And I think originally they like actually filmed Nalls' death or, or at least had concerts for it. But the the effects weren't good enough. Like I, I feel like it's better this way. It's it's like creepier. It's yeah. just like that's the last you see of him. Yeah. The um, like you know, I've seen this movie a couple times. Um, in, in different you know iterations or different quality, but like when you watch like an HD version of this movie, it looks like shockingly really really good. Like the use of light and shadow and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. My number three is uh, a small moment that's super important. Is it's about fifteen minutes in. Um, the main dudes have gone to go check on the Norwegian base and the people back at the, the American base are stuck with the not so good doggo who just moves down the hallway and into someone's room. And then mm-hmm. through the doorway, you see the shadow of the person. You have no idea who they are as they just turn to see the dog. And I love that you, you don't know who it is, but you can very well assume somebody got infected there. Um, and supposedly it's like they, they particularly put a stunt guy there. Mm, so it wouldn't be anyone yeah yeah Yeah, so it wouldn't be the profile of anyone you'd recognize well so i haven't gone back to really look at this i went and read all like the trivia stuff afterwards apparently some people seem to think that the shadow beckons for the dog to come in uh i don't know i think just trying to look at him personally well i mean it's a dog so they might very well Mm -hmm. I i don't think anyone knows that it's not a dog yet yeah yeah um all right where are we at my number two is the last scene with Charles McCready. Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. Okay. I think we're going to have ours reversed. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing what your number one is, um, which is probably my number two. The perfectly paced, slow fart tension of the hot wire slash blood test scenes. and having. Do you, do you find a slow fart tense? <laughs> it's the tension that it, it might turn into a shit. Oh, man. A, a sudden, shark. Sudden shark. Mm-hmm. Surprise shark, yeah. I guess every shark is probably a surprise, right? Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> You're just not like, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> um, but people tied to chairs to te- whether they're testing who's human or not. Um, apparently, Carpenter was such a, a huge fan of the original film adaptation to the point where I believe it makes a cameo in Halloween. Um, like they're watching it at one point. Mm. Um, but apparently, like the, the scene in one of the scripts that he didn't fully use had this. And and he was just like, yeah, I'm going to remake this movie. Um, and also a seriously earned jump scare. Yeah. Like not yeah, not all jump so. scares are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the test is my number one scene. Um, it's a great sequence. There's kind of two tests, ultimately, you know, because yeah. it kind of goes one way and then there's some commotion and then they get back to it. But yeah, just a fun concept. Uh, McReady at that point is pretty unhinged. He's just like rolling around with like dynamite strapped to him. And a flamethrower, yeah. And a, a flare that he's holding on to, yeah, and a flamethrower. Um, but yeah, what a great tense sequence. I mean, if 
if you're not into that, then I, I guess this movie's not for you. Yeah. And, and Kurt Russell in this movie, like trying to think I've never seen escape from New York. My impression is that he's basically playing Clint Eastwood, like punk rock Clint Eastwood in that movie. He's definitely playing John Wayne in big trouble. Um, I know he's done Elvis for, for Carpenter, but this, this is something different in a way. This is, uh, and the hair and the beard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just the way he treats that chess computer. Uh, my number one is the ending, of course, McCready and Childs together, and they're just going to wait it out and see who's who. Like you said, I've read essays on who's who and what's what in that scene, and I don't think it matters, though I don't think Childs is a thing. If anyone, it's probably McCready. Let's, but... let's hold off on that conversation until the end. Okay. All right. Uh, well, speaking of the end, let's get to the beginning here. I believe we covered all of our uh, moments there. It, weird that this movie does not have a universal logo. Hmm. I, I guess it's because it opens up with a, a planet, and so they don't want to confuse people or something. I don't think this. Mo- I don't think the studio is that jazzed about this movie, too. No, I don't think it's because of that. It's it's because of the. It starts out with like an outer space shot of the of Earth. Um, with this, uh, I don't know. I'm watching. This is the remastered version. I don't know if they've touched this effect up at all. Hmm. It's very Star Trek. Yeah. Original Star Trek. Yeah. With like just some extra little bells and whistles, like a little like flashing rotating lights and stuff. Uh can we talk about this Ennio Morricone score? Sure. What do you what what do you think? I thought it was fine. I mean I wouldn't rate it among his best. I mean he was kinda hired at the last minute and was like basically just trying to do a John Carpenter score. So I don't think it uh stands out to me in his oeuvre, but it's fine. I don't think it's even all like it's not one hundred percent him, I don't think. Um because the studio did not want Carpenter to do the score. Um, and I think Carpenter's an interesting guy where like he wants his scores to be very much background. Mm-hmm. Unlike, say, for example, like Nolan, who like he wants all the tools and the score seriously informs each scene. It just made me think of um like I'm paraphrasing like what is it George Lucas says on the Attack of the Clones DVD where he said, like, uh, you're honestly just buying your ticket to listen to John Williams' score, and we're gonna show you some pretty pictures and heartbreak along the way. Yeah. But, well, uh, in Star Wars, the score is like half the movie. Yeah, yeah but like, uh, like there's so much unused score that I think isn't that. But eventually becomes like the music for the Hateful Eight. I think I read something about that. Yeah, that they repurpose some of that. Um. So yeah, I was I, in my notes. I just have the, perhaps the cheesiest and most dated part of the movie is the very beginning of the spaceship. Well, it just it just looks like Star Trek ish. It, it, I'm not even sure why we need this to be honest. Yeah. Um. Because it it makes you think you're about to watch. Uh, a, a sci-fi movie of a different tone entirely. Like as e. you see this spaceship, like in the way it's lights are flashing, it's like, is is this like a cop spaceship or something? You know, like it's really weird with the flashing lights. And well, then the, we just kind of see it like enter the atmosphere there. There is a cop light palette to this, to this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the title card just kind of burns itself into the screen, which I believe is an homage to the title card from the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's Antarctica in the winter of 82. And we start with the Norwegians trying to hunt a dog via a helicopter. Yeah, this, I don't know. I don't want to criticize the Norwegians too much, but I feel like this guy is a pretty bad shot. Either that or he needs to rethink his strategy if this, if this is how bad of a shot he is. Yeah. Also, this is, this is how Dick Cheney hunts, right? When he's not like shotgunning his buddies in the face. Only of humans, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it's just interesting that the thing is like bound to the dog's form here. You would think they could just like tilt the helicopter forward and like do the uh the blades. I mean, that's what I do in um in Call of Duty when like I just get in the helicopter and try to run people over until my helicopter blows up. So yeah. Word. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the Norwegians are chasing this dog, firing at it, getting closer to the US station. Um or we just have some some schlubby eighties all stars waiting for us, including Kurt Russell's McCready, who's drinking J and B and playing his chess wizard with the voice of Adrian Barbeau. This is a real like we need a quick scene to let you know what kind of character this guy is thing. And so it's like, oh, he loses at chess and so he dumps his scotch into the computer to blow it up. What a badass. It's so presumably this computer can only play chess. Yeah, it says it's a chess master. So, 1982, what did this computer cost? Yeah, who knows? Like $30,000? Yeah. yeah, he just like dumps it all over there. Uh, the scotch all over like the cards inside of it. Yeah, he's a bad boy. He's a loose cannon. Um, mm-hmm. So we find out he's like the only, it's like a compound. There's a bunch of like separate buildings for things. He's the only one who has his own like elevated fuck shack separated from the main compound. Yeah, he's got a weird shack. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have a lot of questions about these guys and what they're up to they're work for an american research station mm-hmm. are they military are they just like funded by great question know, well, some, seemingly, some science you know organization it's it's only a very small undercurrent but like there's your like science and biologist guys mm-hmm. and you got like blue collar guys yeah he's the pilot mcready here kurt russell is the there's, pilot there's, there's, there's a two, cook there's two pilots Who's the other pilot? Palmer. Is Palmer because I, I was thinking like you need at least two, right? But like, like if the only way in and out is by air, you need two pilots. Palmer, the guy who's just constantly like blazing up mm-hmm. to the point where Gary's just like, yeah, no fucking way. You're Palmer seems like he, he Palmer seems like he saw too much shit in Vietnam. <laughs> Seriously, he's he's like the skinny Dan Aykroyd from Sneakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think what is Childs. I think he's just like. I don't know, uh, what like mechanic does. maybe or something like yeah. that. Yeah, seemingly because like at one point he's like tasked with getting the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nalls is the guy who like spends half the movie, like the cook, half the movie on like like roller skates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the then roller you got, like, boy, yeah, yeah. You got like like George and and uh, Norris, and who knows what they do. Well, there's the like the captain guy, you know, like the the dude who's theoretically in charge. The guy with the eyebrows, Gary. Gary, who. The only other place I would recognize him from is he's the president in Clear and Present Danger. Oh, okay. He kind of looks a little like Lloyd Bridges. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, stretched out. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if Lloyd Bridges had the body of uh, what's his name from uh, Babe? Babe? Taking yeah. the City, Babe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never saw that movie. But just he's because James Cromwell is like freakishly tall. If I remember yeah, right. yeah. Freaky, freaky tall guy. Um, I mean, you have to wonder too, like, what kind of people would do this kind of job? Like, who are you hiding from? <laughs> like, I feel like you got a lot of divorcees. I was going to say, half these guys are divorced. <laughs> yeah, hiding from your child support payment. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, uh, half these guys are Robert Pattinson from the Lighthouse. <laughs> They're surprisingly well tooled up. Um, I, I assume that maybe you could say that's a little bit because of My, it's like or, uh, Cold War paranoia. Well, I think, oh, yeah, you mean this, like the guns? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. What are they? Because they're not like animals you have to kill. 
And I guess I guess it's like you kind of never know if you're on this like weird Antarctic research station. So you might as well be prepared. Also, I feel like there's like a greater than zero chance that one of your coworkers is like the KGB or or CIA. So like you never know who these people are. I was going to say on one hand, the people designing this are like cabin fever is a real likelihood. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, let's give them a shit ton of ammo because that's the American way. Um, A lot of flamethrowers. Yeah, a lot of flamethrowers. I will even before that. So, I want to come back to the cast thing. But like, as the Norwegians are getting closer, I was like, there is a shit ton of just gas tanks just laying around outside the U.S. station, mm-hmm. which I guess is for like mining purposes. Like, you're just gonna blow your way through ice. Well, but, I guess um, you just you really don't want to run out of fuel there. Probably not. But uh, starting this movie again because you know I, I knew I've seen it a couple times. I know the faces, you know, I know the, the main people, but like, I was like, man, I'm going to be fucking bombing my way through the names. By the end of this movie, I knew everyone's name. I feel like I know everyone's name who I care about. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing is if you don't care about them, they get killed like pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So these dudes come out and they're just like, what the fuck are these crazy Norwegians up to for half the movie? McCready will only call them Swedes. He keeps on calling them Swedes instead of Norwegians. Honestly, I think McCready is like in that rarefied 80s thing where it's like this is one of the last times like being a Republican was cool. Well, I mean, that was that's an 80s thing in general, though. I feel like that that goes on for a while, like pretty much all the Reagan era. Yeah. Um, uh, these sunglasses that he has here are pretty bitching. The goggles? Well, they're like they got, they got like the wraparound, uh, you know, like the, the side panels or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so the Norwegians are in the helicopter are like tossing grenades at this dog. This guy, they fucking land and this dude just like drops a grenade right next to his helicopter. Way to the go. Other, the other guy tries to go like find it in the ice. Yeah. <laughs> Bad move. Just blows up him and the helicopter. Um. So yeah, the, the Americans take the dog. Like the dog's like licking, like licking up on one of them. Um, shoots The Norwegian shoots George. Well, Norwegian's trying to talk to, the, to them, but obviously he's speaking... Um, I don't know, Swedish. Um, so they don't understand. Because at this point, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like the, he's like shooting at the dog and he shoots like one of their guys, George, in the thigh. Um, and so the, the, the Gary returns fire from inside the thing with this like revolver there and sh- shoots a dude right in the head. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Gary is 100% a guy. He's probably in the military. Probably did something where like a lot of people under his command got killed and they were like, uh, if you don't want to do like uh jail time, you're in charge mm-hmm. of this Antarctic mission. Yeah, yeah, or like you really fucked something up with like a the diplomat's wife or something like that. This guy's you're not getting restation. But I mean, from his perspective, he's inside, he hears a bunch of gunshots, he's like, What the fuck? So he like busts out the window. Yeah. Uh, and then he's just like sees a dude with a gun walk around the corner and he's just like, Oh, bang. <laughs> But you feel like like Gary has been horny to shoot something for a while. Probably. Yeah. I think they've only been there for a few weeks, but yeah. But here's how I know that. This is a pretty chill base, as we'll find out. Gary's Mm -hmm. carrying a fucking like holster on his hip the whole time. (laughs) Like he's just like dying to pull that gun out on somebody. I think it's it's mentioned somewhere in here that the this is like the winter crew. So they're not even really doing much in the way of uh uh science experiments right now like that this is like you're holding down the fort until the summer months come again and like the bigger crew shows up yeah also i would think 
knocking out a window in your Antarctic base has got to always be reserved for just big deals. Yeah, I mean, he could have just stepped outside. We meet Clark here, who immediately buddies up with this dog. Uh, great, great acting by this dog. To it really seems like it it knows something the whole time, you know, or it's being shady. Yeah, Clark is there. He's there, like he's the base Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Um, he just seems creepy from the get go. Kennel master, yeah, fucking Clark. Um, so meanwhile, like the rest of the crew is like standing over like the smoldering mess that is the Norwegian's helicopter. And McCready says, first goddamn week of winter." <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, it's that kind of movie." Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they pick up George. The radio guy can't get a hold of anyone. Radio guy looks like another guy who saw too much shit in Vietnam. Oh no! I think the radio guy is like uh, he's had Windows, a couple. He's yeah, right? he's had a couple of acid experiences yeah. that fried him. Uh, Wilford Brimley is you know I don't know if you're ready for this. He's crusty. It's Blair. The uh, he's the biologist. I think yeah, chief I think biologist. Yeah. Well, also let me throw out some names real quick. Mm-hmm. Tom Selleck. Okay. Alex Trebek. Wilford Brimley. I don't make a connection between those. Three sure. guys that freak me out when they don't have their mustache. Hmm, okay. Uh, so, uh, including in the crew is national treasure, Keith David, as Childs. Yes, this is uh, his first role. His second role. He, had a, he was an sure? extra in a movie called Disco Godfather. Well, I mean an extra, sure. Yeah. Um, also, David Clennon from 30-something is the other pilot, Palmer, who's always high. Um... So the doc, Doc Copper, um, wants to go to the region's base because there should have been like 10 people over there. Um, this well, they're thinking the, this is like maybe a cabin fever situation, something like that. Yeah. Well, this, this is a great bit where like uh, Palmer's just like blazing up and he's just like, I'll fly you. And Gary's just like, no. It's <laughs> fucking roach clips. <laughs> hey, man, this is a private residence. Um. So they go get McCready, who like points out that there's a possible whiteout happening. Uh, but, you know, whatever. He's only going to refer to these Norwegians as the crazy Swedes for a while. I'd just really like to know why he has his own separate shack that he lives in. But I think he has to like move out of it because it's too cold or something at some point. No, uh, he has to clear his stuff out of the tool shed at mm-hmm. one point. But the same tool shed that they'll later put Blair in when he's gone mm-hmm. nuts. Um, also, McCready will only fly if his ridiculous sombrero. But he has like a like a little hood that he puts on over it, you know, to protect from the weather. Mm-hmm. And this movie does a really effective job of making you cold while watching yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So there's great foreboding as they leave to go check out the Norwegian base. The dog is left behind, just kind of watching them. There's a great pan down as they're watching him, you know, out the window, hope he knows what he's doing, and he just pan down below the ping pong table. The dog's just sitting there. Yeah. And you're like, oh fuck. I yeah. do wonder what it's like, because I think even when the first time I watched this, I, I had an idea of the plot, mm-hmm. like what it would be like to watch this, not knowing what it's about at all. Yeah, yeah. Because I think at this point, I'd, by the time I watched this movie, I'd already seen the X-Files episode that's an homage to it. So it's kind of like keyed in. Isn't there like, uh, I thought I read there's like a Futurama that like really digs into this too there may be yeah that it's, this is like right in futurama's wheelhouse there are several shots in this movie that are like directly fodder for like parody later and things like community mm-hmm. um so we get this you know shot later still at the american base um where the guy gets shot like contacts the cook Knowles, who's like uh blaring stevie wonder superstitious 
There's a great bit where like uh, George is just like, "Could you turn that shit down?" Like I've just been shot, and Nolis gets on the intercom and he's like, "You got it," and then he absolutely does not turn it down. Yeah. <laughs> so we watch the dog, and there's a couple shots of just like, "Hey, look, it's the dog." Yeah, yeah. So we watch the dog. It's a great, like, kind of not like a super long shot, but just like the shot where the dog's like moving down the hallway and he stops in the doorway and you see that shadow of whoever it is and he, you can't make them out. And the dog goes in the room, and we get those first of just like a lot of like fade outs. Yeah, well, the whole sequence leading up to it, where it's you, you see Nalls doing his thing in the kitchen and Superstitious is playing, and then it's just like, hey, it's the empty lab, and then it looks like it's an empty stock room. The camera is kind of just like roving through empty rec room. Yeah. And then, oh, there's a dog. It's just like, oh, what's going on in here? It looks like the dog like opened the door on its own mm-hmm. and is uh, walking down the hall and comes over to this doorway where there's a silhouette inside and then yeah. fade to black. Yeah. So they get to Norwegian base, which has seen some shit. Uh, Parlo is on fire. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all like frozen over. They find like a frozen dead body where a dude clearly like slit his own wrist and then like cut out a huge chunk of his own neck. Yes. And the blood like froze as it poured out of him. How long, like, they get here, the place is on fire, there's a bunch of, like, busted out windows. How long has it been, do you think? Because it seems like it's already severely affected by the elements. There's, like, snow everywhere. Well, it's also Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is it, are we talking a day? Are we talking a week? Honestly, I feel like it's probably however long it took the Norwegians to initially fly there. Hmm. for them to decide to make the trip and then for them to fly to the base it seems like it's longer like there's so much like destruction i don't know maybe well not. the the production detail that i love is that this is the american base after they blew it up at the end of the movie that's cool they just went and filmed these yeah. sequences then um <laughs> uh, so the doctor gives you something that you can get used to out of star trek the classic setup where the doctor's just like my god what the hell happened here um uh, so we find some paperwork. It's all in the region. Um, some videotapes. Some like giant ice vault thing. Um, and then the outside, they find that the Norwegians clearly were like, burning the shit out of something. We can't fully see what it is, but it appears to have like arms that aren't quite. Well, before right. that, they they find this huge block of what seems to have been ice. Yeah. That there's like a huge chunk, like, you know, rectangle carved out of the middle. Yeah. And then they find this weird thing that kind of looks like a human corpse but it's also like some of this anatomy is wrong yeah it's like too long yeah mm-hmm. so they fly back to the station the dog is there watching them land um i don't know what people would think watching this the first time with the dog but the movie does a a lot of like it's a lot of mileage out of the dog watching things there, there's some serious uh what's it called kuleshov effect yeah yeah where the dog like he seems kind of upset with whatever they brought back mm-hmm. which is the burnt alien corpse Man, when they like they they take this thing inside and like wrapped in like a blanket or something, and when they pull the blanket off, it's just like steam everywhere. Yeah, yeah. God, it's fucking gross. Yeah. Um. So they kind of like unveil it to the rest of the group in the uh, the infirmary. It's like it's a fucking sickening, sickening oddity of anatomy. You get a better look at it now. This thing has like kind of two faces or one face that's kind of like split and grown apart. Yeah, in um, agony. Definitely, yeah. it's there are elements that seem human but like twisted and, and grotesque and it's like this is not a human being right right um and you got a lot of panning because we're gonna do a lot of panning over like the collected faces of people who are watching this as they look at this disgusting thing and look at each other um so in the infirmary the doc the one doctor has confirmed that the dead norwegian is normal um meanwhile the creature they found just like a normal set of internal organs inside of it then we see that uh Palmer and Childs have to like bunk in the same room together. 
they're like watching what'd like, you make of fuchs just like smelling the clothes yeah i don't know fuchs is a weird one in this movie mm-hmm. um but uh like uh, palmer and childs like they're like watching game shows on vhs and getting high that they've uh, recorded yeah yeah a lot of dudes just like chilling in long johns in this movie so that's your kink you're kind of the right place um would you, know, you ever do this would you ever go to an uh, say say you're going to get paid like a good sum of money, but you got to go to an Antarctic research station and like hold down the fort for six months. With like these dudes or a bunch of dudes? I mean, I assume it'd mostly be a bunch of dudes. Yeah. I would want more details. Okay. I mean, maybe not a post, not immediately opposed not to the idea. Post. What about you? Okay. I don't know. I, I think the other people would be the worst thing about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you wouldn't. You also wouldn't want to do it on your own. No, I mean, so what's your option? This or like the Desmond thing from Lost? Ooh, that's tough. But the problem I with Desmond like thing Desmond's is the. Thing. But the thing is, like the total lack of sleep. I think that would get to you after two years. Yeah, yeah, that'd be rough. Um, do you remember there was that thing uh, we were obsessed with a couple of years ago where it was like, uh, it's like here's a list of things that you can take I have in isolation. That- I, I went and found it. I have it on my desktop right now. I've been oh, meaning to, to do something with it because it definitely needs updating because it's too video game focused. But it's this idea of you're going to get paid $10 million to live in a basement for 10 years. You have so many points and then you can spend your points on things to take down there with you, like food, entertainment, that kind of stuff. Some of them are outlandish. Like there's one, if I remember correctly, isn't there one where it's like, like a guy and or a girl who will always have sex with you? <laughs> one of them is just Barry Bonds. Seven points. <laughs> well, that's not dated. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, in the rec room, we see there's a pool table, a jukebox, some arcade games. This is like a little boy's idea of a man cave. There's also some dudes playing poker. I don't want to I mean, I suppose poker. for the early 80s, it's pretty decent. This you've, is a got bar. Pin, you've got pinball. You've got a jukebox. I think there's some video games. Yeah. Uh, you got a poker set. You got a pool table. There's a bar. Yeah, like... I don't know what else you really want. Yeah. Um, I don't want to play poker every night with a bunch of assholes, though. Um, well, I guess here's the problem with poker. It's not fun to play unless there are stakes. So what do you, are you actually, you got to put some real skin in the game there. Like Russian roulette and every time you win a hand, we take another bullet out? No, I mean, you have to be like be playing for actual money. Like if you oh. sit down and play poker and you just have a bunch of like poker chips that don't represent anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just going to keep calling. Like, there's no point to bluffing. Right. Like, you, you have to be playing for something. Well, that's also the the problem with, like, taking this em- employment. Like, you have to be on the run. Because otherwise, it's not like these guys are getting paid a fortune to do this job, I guarantee. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're all I'm sure they're home. probably doing okay. But, I mean, they're not, like, walking out of this with, like, a million dollars. for like- Not a million. But I feel like they're... They're earning a, a good middle-class wage for this in, in 1980s, I would guess. Well, and then... Are they deducting the price of the chess wizard from McCready's salary? Because <laughs> I feel like it's you're not it's this isn't a nine to five job. Like you're living there, so they got to yeah. pay you more for something like that. Yeah, true, true. Um, hazard pay. So one of the guys, George, gets bumped by the dog, and he's like, "Hey, Hagrid, you put this fucking dog into our pen with the uh, others." Which, this fucking goon. Yeah. Good point. Why was the dog out? <laughs> Um, well, because I, I, I guess they, they have all their own dogs, too. And this one is just like, oh, extra dog. I guess we'll hang on to it. Yeah. 
So he leads the dog into the pen down the, down a ways. There's instantly bad vibes. Um, well, the the way the dog just kind of slowly goes into the pen. I don't know how they got the dog to do this, but it's pretty well, good. Like full on thousand yard stare. Like he's too mm-hmm. stiff, but like also too comfortable amongst all the other dogs. Like it's and they immediately start all kind of growling and hissing at him. Yeah. I mean, you know what he is? Is he's Jack Reacher, and he's just like, remember, you dogs wanted this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then the dog's whole fucking face just explodes. It's the grossest thing. It just like folds apart, and there's like this weird snout within the snout situation, and all these okay. weird tentacles and shit start flying around. Like a Venus flytrap. Uh, yeah. It was on this viewing was the first time that I noticed that when his face rips apart like a flower, the dog's skull just like tumbles out of there. Yeah, it just falls off. Um, and then there's a li- part later on. It looks like a flower. And the petals are made up of dog tongues. Mm-hmm. This movie's fucking gross. It's really disgusting. Like the weird little like cockroach leg things coming out of the sides oh, of it. Yeah. Um and it, it starts just like shooting goo at one of the dogs at some point. Yeah, just like a stream of like acid jizz. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you've ever if you've ever sprayed um jizz. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Benjamin Light's a gusher. Um, no, uh, uh, what's that called? Like, uh, wasp spray. Wasp spray. I don't think I have now. Yeah. It's like the, whatever the is in the can, it, your wasp spray can goes out immediately because it shoots out so hard. Hmm. Is it like viscous like this is? It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, it looks like just like clear piss like this hmm. does. But the whole point is that you can then be like super far away from your wasps, <laughs> but your can is like, it's empty, like in a second. Um, yeah, so one of the dogs is, like, trying to chew the chain link fence to get the fuck out of there. It's just biting pieces of it off, and then Clark here is just like, well, what's going on here? And all this, like, howling and, you know, barking going on. And he comes back and just, he, like, doesn't even turn the light on. He just no. immediately opens the door. Like, what's going on? Man, turn yeah. on the light first. But he's he's just a, a fucking simp in a horror movie is what he is. Mm-hmm. So one of the dogs runs past him, could be infected. Uh, and then he sees what's inside of here, which is just like this monstrosity of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And then he finally gets up and locks the door. And yeah. I guess it's McCready is just like up late, which is why he's around and he hears going for it a beer. And he pulls the fire alarm. Yeah. Yeah. Going for a beer, smashes that fire alarm. Whole crew gets up. Oh shit. What do you think this guy's like Budweiser budget is? Yeah. What like if you... you're, if you're like the, you know, the U.S. government or whatever, you're, whoever's running this thing, you're just like organizing like, okay, we need one case of beer per man per day. <laughs> per day. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> like, seems like that that's about what you need for these guys. Like, I wonder if that's like you've, you've sat down, you've met with the I don't know, recruiter, mm-hmm. you've signed the paperwork, and he's just like, listen, before I turn this in, I just need you to know how hungover you're going to be daily. Yeah. And being hungover in Antarctica, it's fucked up, man. Um, I don't even think they're hungover. I think they just keep drinking. That's it's just like it. a steady stream. Like you, you're you're rationed one can of Bud per hour, and so you just keep it going, <laughs> maintain that buzz the whole time. What if you if you run out? If you do more than twenty four in a day, mm-hmm. which good God, uh, you switch over to J and B. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost you, like a you were like apportioned like one of those per day as well <laughs> well and everyone has like their own their one case of like because you know blair has like the smirnoff god damn it <laughs> um 
Yeah, so this thing is a fucking monster in this dog pen. It's like grotesque, half replication of a dog. It's growing bigger. There might be two of them. It the other dog that they that it sprayed is just like twitching and like covered in the acid jizz foam. McGreedy just shows up with a shotgun. I like it. Yeah. Keith so these dudes up. are all like some of these dudes are running out in their tidy whities and shit because they're all like waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. Um Keith David shows up with like a flamethrower and like torches this thing. Um I just want to say real quick, Dean Cundy. The guy who did the cinematography of this movie would also do Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then Pretty a bunch good. of dog shit movies. Mm. Um, yeah, so afterwards, they're doing an autopsy on this thing, and this is when Wilford Brimley's just like, oh my god, over and over again as he pries this thing apart. These dudes stare at this grotesquerie for a good like 20 seconds. I would be just blasting away immediately if I had a gun in my hand and I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Could not shoot fast enough. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't own guns because fuck that. I don't believe in it. But also, like, I would be shooting at spiders in my house if I saw them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So later, after the autopsy, with Brilliant is like giving everyone the walkthrough. This organism could seemingly imitate life perfectly. Uh, he said that it attacked the dogs to try to like eat, absorb, and then imitate them. This is one of those moments where it seems like maybe he's making some leaps. Yeah. But you're kind of willing to go with it because, like, it, that's getting to the fun part of the movie. Right. Once right. they understand what's going on, it's more interesting than them just like standing around waiting for something, some new crazy shit to happen. They don't understand it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the the rules are not entirely clear because the, it's not clear if you know if you're a thing. I guess. Yeah, because is the copy so good that it doesn't know until it's in danger? Mm-hmm. Um, can you just be quote unquote infected? Like, because presumably at one point when they they have uh, they burn the one dude's blood, like the little blood is moving around like T one thousand goo. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like can because I think they mentioned one time like somebody's like, oh, you should probably like prepare your own food and eat canned food. Mm-hmm. So could you theoretically just infect someone and then over time they get like converted from the inside to the thing? Cue the ending when McCready drinks the bottle and then hands it over mm-hmm. to Childs. Yeah. Um, and I've seen so many crackpot theories where it's like, jokes on a child, McCready just hand him a can of gasoline. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. and that's how he knows. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, presumably, like, you know, if you spit in someone's mouth, they could get infected, you know? I, I did like the bit where Blair is talking to Clark. Um, do you notice anything strange about the dog? Anything at all? What was the dog doing in the rec room? <laughs> And it's like you're immediately suspicious of this dude. Well, because like the next like ten scenes will all end on Wilford Brimley looking pensive. Yeah. Well, he's like, "How long were you alone with that dog? I don't know. Maybe an hour. What are you looking at me like that for? I don't know. (laughs) I I want him to be like, "Why the fuck do you think you moron? (laughs) (laughs) You saw the same shit I did. Come on now." So they're watching the videos of the Norwegians. it looks like they were doing some mining or digging a few miles from their camp. They found something buried under the ice, blew it out with thermite charges. There's this like one shot where they're all standing around this crater and like they're all just like at the ring in this crater, like space a good like 15 to, you know. You mean 20. the uh, giant map painting they find out in the arc? Sure, sure. But the way they're like all spaced around it is just like really creepy and they're all like waving. Like somebody had to go set that shot up. Like, you know, one of the oh, scientists yeah. is like, I'll go to the other side of the crater and I'll get you all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, of course, had also flashbacks to the uh, happier times of Team Zisu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they figure out where this was taken on, on their charts there, and they're like, oh, let's go check it out. So that's when they find the giant map painting. Um, okay, so 
did they blow out the entire crater? Like that's a that's a big space. I'm not exactly sure how how they did this. There was a spaceship in the ice, and I guess it's been coming up in the ice Maybe. over thousands of years. Like it was lower, and now it's like slowly breaching the surface, and they just blew up a bunch of stuff around it to maybe maybe they're collapsing something below it i don't know somehow there's a big crater and there's a spaceship in it yeah and they think it's been under there for like a hundred thousand years so they see where there was the um the big chunk of ice had been taken back to the base for the norwegians um back at the you know american station mccready's like drinking whiskey and like telling them all about it and keith david's like i can't believe any of this voodoo bullshit (laughs) And then uh, Palmer's like, "Childs, it happens all the time, man. They're falling out of the sky, and the government knows all about it." It's like, do and you then, believe any of this booty bullshit, Blair? Well, this is this is the great exchange that to me just makes this whole movie okay in like thirty seconds. Childs says, "So how's this motherfucker wake up after a thousand years in the ice?" <laughs> and Bennings is like, "And how can it look like a dog?" And McCree's like, "I don't know how, cause it's different than us. See, cause it's from outer space. What do you want from me?" <laughs> It's like we got a movie, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. We have a movie, yeah. You got uh, this is Palmer here talking about chariots of the gods, man. They practically own South America. <laughs> I like how they, they brought back some of the metal, it looks like, because they're looking at like the materials from the it's spaceship, like, the which metal. I would be just fascinated by. That would be like the first thing I'd want to do is like check out the spaceship. I would also be quarantining. Well, I think in a Crichton book. They're just in the spaceship for the rest of the movie. This does have like some sphere vibes here. Sphere the yeah. the book, which uh, not the movie, which is awful. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the that first segment in Sphere where they're like finding the the crash spaceship under the the ocean is pretty fucking cool. Um. So again, like Blair is just like pondering all this shit. The others trying to wrap their heads around it. Um, also, Nalls comes in his roller skates and he's just like, Who left their dirty undies in the kitchen trash can? <laughs> Who left their so, like just like undies that are just brown all over? I was gonna smeared. say, I would not gross, be touching those. Grossest thing in the movie, McGreedy just picks them up and looks at them. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, you might as well just put your finger in everyone's asshole. <laughs> um, quicker. <laughs> so we get some serious fucking 80s graphics. Um, as, as I think this was done, I think I, I read that this was potentially done in the editing room. This seems like it exists just to explain what's going on at the, the cells assimilating because this isn't within the movie. It doesn't seem real. Like he hasn't like programmed this on his computer type of thing, you know? So like, this, it's just like, Oh, we expect this to take over the world population in 27,000 hours. Like your computer tells you that. Okay. So like well, Siri can't tell me that now. The most ridiculous thing is that it's like the probability that one or more team members affected by alien organism, 75%. Yes. Brilliant's just like, ah, I fucking knew it. She's like, well, so hey, what is this? hey, Siri, what's the probability that one or more of my team members has been infected by an intruder organism? I still think of, is it the Zoe Deschanel one of like, is it going to rain? Is that rain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if Chess Wizard costs 30, 30K in 1982 bucks. What did uh, um, exposition.exe cost? <laughs> Blair also just has a fucking revolver in his desk. Okay, so this is the, I swear to God, I've seen this parody in community later, which is the camera pans over to Brimley's bottle of Smirnoff, and then he opens the drawer, and there's just a revolver in there. <laughs> I think it, That's where you keep I think it might be on top of the script. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like back to McCready. He's just like, just belting straight from the bottle of J&B here and just looking at these dirty undies that are all shredded and brown. <laughs> like, hmm, 
what's this? So did, the, did the person shit before they got consumed? <laughs> I mean, you might. I'd, I'd probably shit my pants if I suddenly uh, got ripped apart by an alien. Hey, am I a, am I a thing? Yeah. Sur- surprise shark. Yeah. Um, so they start moving the alien corpses out of the lab to the storage room or whatever. So Mac has to move his stuff. I love that they, they all look up to Mac. Like he's probably nowhere in the power structure. I think his hair is at the head of the power structure. Yeah. I mean, come on. The confidence yeah. to roll around like that. <laughs> With that sombrero. Mm-hmm. So, Although it is funny, like, like in the early 80s, I feel like uh, half the population had hair like that. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, so McCready's just like, whatever, man. I just want to go to my shack and get drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start getting introduced to Fuchs here. He's the assistant like, biologist. Like twitchy and nervous, wants mm-hmm. to talk to Mac like away he's, from the other. He's others. got a little bit of like, we, could, we, we can't get Richard Dreyfus, but we want his energy from Jaws. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um, radio guy, Windows, wants to burn these things. Um, George is like, I don't want them burned. Someone's going to win a Nobel Prize of these someday. Um, so as the radio guy leaves, we kind of pan over and see that the, the one alien corpse, which we thought was dormant, is just like oozing blood and pus. Oh, there's a thing that happens when they, they pull the, the blanket off this thing to just be like, yep, that's still fucking disgusting. And then the guy like puts it back on and turns around and it shifts a little and it's so fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac meets with, uh, the Fuchs and the snow cat and he's like telling him that like Blair's locked himself in his room. He won't come out. Um, but Fuchs has Blair's notes and he says the, the, this thing, like he's like got these like crazy ramblings, like this thing strikes in the dark and the, the burn remains of cellular activity and they're not dead yet. Yeah. They're not dead yet. That's the, the big one, which is it's getting cold in here and I haven't slept in days. The good news, if they'd left it with the other people. So when the windows comes back into the storage room, we see that Bennings, the guy had been shot is now being like absorbed by this creature. Yeah, his, all his clothes are missing and bloody, and he's there in the corner, like all tentacled up, and it's real gross. Yeah, so uh, Windows goes and alerts everybody. They hunt George into the snow. They throw flares around him, and as we come around, fake bandings there, we see that he's got like fucked up claw hands. They're like gigantic, uh, and yeah. And he howls inhumanly, and they're all kind of like, you know, give another minute, he would, he would look exactly like George. They just like so they just dump over a canister of uh, gasoline or fuel onto this guy and then light it on fire. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like Gary's just like, I knew that guy for ten years. I can't believe this. And McCready's just like, he's got to like fucking spell it out for him. Like this thing ain't him. human, man. Yeah. <laughs> so they all make like a little snow pit and fill it with gasoline, and like McCready uses the flamethrower to burn this thing even more. Well, they're burning um, um, the. The, the body that they brought with them, I think, is what they're burning. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's a just an, a kind of really seriously ominous shot of like the fire as the smoke rises up into the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a lot of really just great final shots, the scenes, well, the ominous vibe. Well, and all this stuff where they're outdoors, they're all like super bundled up and like hats and hoods and jackets and everything. Well, and, and it's it's kind of interesting with this setting and all the parkas and shit. You sometimes can't really tell who's who which I think adds mm-hmm. to the confusion. Um, so Fuchs can't, you know, find Blair now. He tells McCready and Mac is like, like Mac is like the dude everyone wants. Like they like him. They want to go to him. So McCready sees that Blair is just like run off from the helicopter. Maybe has an ax. McCready investigates. He sees that Blair has like seriously fucked up the controls of the helicopter. Just destroyed he, the controls. Yeah. He's in a full on diabetic rage. 
Um, at this so, point, I think he is the Blair is not the thing yet. I believe no, no. Yeah. He's he's just gone nuts. Uh, so they hear a gunshot. He goes running towards it. Blair's in the radio room, like shooting his gun off at everyone, like going nuts, smashing, smashing shit with axes. No one's getting out of here alive. God damn it! They smash the radio. He's like smashing all their like computer server equipment, everything. Yeah, and the tractor. Apparently, he's taking out the tractor. We mm-hmm. find out as well. He's killed the rest of the dogs. So Hagrid goes off to check on the dogs. Um, as then, soon as uh, Hagrid hears that the or not Hagrid Clark hears that the dogs have been killed, he like he's like mm-hmm. he's like a real like like a uh, rancor uh, keeper and yeah, Return yeah, of the yeah. Jedi vibes there. That's Richard Mazur is the actor, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, Blair, while smashing the radio room, is just like you don't understand that thing wanted to be us. So they stop Blair by charging at him. For, they, just, they have Childs distract him. Who's like he shoots the last of his bullets at Childs. There's like an animosity between Childs and McCready that we don't fully know the details. I think about, I read right? something where um Keith David just decided while reading the script that they they have antagonistic energy and that's how he just decided to play it the whole time. Well, because even here, McCready is clearly sending Childs on like what could be a suicide mission, I feel. Yeah, like. yeah. Um so they stop Blair by like charging him with a table once he's out of bullets and he buries his axe into it. In a way that, again, I thought the axe was fucking real because it looks like it could kill them. So they get him down and they just like punch him until he's he's docile. And then they, yeah, they beat the shit out of him and take him to this, I don't know, supply shed or something. And yeah, they're just I think like, it's You're the same gonna... tool shed where George got absorbed. Is it? I think it is. I think it is. I thought that was a different building. I don't know. But they're going to just make him stay in here. And yeah. they like shoot him full of morphine. That's like their solution here. That Like if they don't know if they can trust you, they shoot you full of morphine. Yeah. Um, and he's like leaving so, him with his uh, bottle of vodka. Yeah, Claire's or Claire uh, Clark has gone and found the other dogs who Blair axed to death mm-hmm. to the point where he left the axe behind in one of them. Yes. Well, Big axe budget. And speaking of Clark, when they uh, leave Blair in this shed here, last thing he says to McCready is he says, "Hey, watch Clark. Watch him close." Yeah. Um. Also, they have to. Uh, uh, board up the windows to the sh- tool shed mm-hmm. where the one guy broke out of it. Like, will boards keep the cold out? Like, Blair's going to freeze to death. <laughs> yeah. Well, so who, let's see, who's the thing right now? Palmer is, right? And Norris. I believe those well, are the only two. We don't even know when Norris. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Norris, seriously, though, it looks like, does he know? Well, like, someone, someone was converted by that dog early on, right? Because right. they found, right. like, the clothes. And so one of them, at least one, is already a thing and soon to be more. Uh, like at, least, at least Norris or Palmer is already a thing at this point. Because Norris at one point is just like got like a weird tummy ache. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the deal with that later? Yeah. Um, so they, they, they leave Blair. They take some of his blood. You know, um, I like that he, uh, he like stops before everyone else. He, like, he like talks to Blair for a little bit, like you said, before he warned about Clark. He drinks some of his vodka. Um, and Blair's just like, I don't know who to trust. And McCready's like, trust is a hard thing to come by these days. Well, they figure out once they're outside, like, hey, we've got, we can do a test with some blood serum. We've, we've got some like blood in a fridge and like the lab that we can use as like a baseline to test against. And I think those are also where they're talking about Clark and how you got to watch that guy. Yeah. Um, so later we find out that someone has broken into the cabinet where the, the blood was being kept. They tampered with it because the test probably would have worked. Mm-hmm. So we find out that Gary, the leader, has the only key, but he gives it to Doc Copper whenever he needs it. So it's like, okay, already here's an issue where we don't know 
which of these two guys and like someone could have easily taken the key from Gary. So the paranoia is high. They're all yelling at each other. Um, Windows, the radio guy, goes off to get a shotgun. And he just, he just like and, freaks out and runs away to get a shotgun. Yeah. And Gary has his revolver on him. And so once he gets a shotgun away from Windows, Gary offers to relinquish being in charge, which by which I think he means hand over the revolver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to give it to Norris, who's just like, I'm not up to it, guys. So Childs volunteers to take it and they all freak out. And then McCready says, should we summon a little more even-tempered Childs? And it's like, has he been ill-tempered this whole time? Is he just the asshole of the crew? Yeah, we, this is where like Clark it. steps in between him with his like little fold-out knife. Yeah, yeah. Um, so outside another snow pit, like McCready burns the blood packs. He knows well, you'd he's think, human. I, I assume that McCready was in the military, and so you you would think if you needed to like assign a new commander, you'd probably want one of the military guys to do it. Although know. I get the sense that like probably half these people are in the military. <laughs> I mean, that's the reading that I feel like no one ever really goes into in Day of the Dead enough. But the scientists versus the military mm-hmm. guys. Well, Those like, military guys are idiots. I'm sure Childs is probably was he was in Nam, right? Like I feel like Childs and McCready were definitely both in Nam. I am more interested <laughs> in which of these guys has like accidentally killed their wife, and that's why they're here. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, who served in Nam? Because I feel like McCready's, you know, he's left some corpses behind. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> um, so this is when McCready says, you know, I know I'm human. And if any of you, if you were all aliens, you'd just attack me right now. So some of you got to be human too. There's a storm coming in a few hours. They need to figure out who's who because they're going to be really cut off. Great so, conversation outside as they're burning the uh, the blood bags that were despoiled and in, in, at night with like the the fire flickering on all of them. Also, this movie is shot anamorphically, so you get a lot of great like lens flares from the actual flares, like those mm-hmm. those horizontal blue lines coming out of the light. Um, and just the way it's shot with just with the 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 blue kind of from the snow and like the almost purple light from the flare, it's it's awesome. So they're gonna take uh, what is it, Gary, the doctor, and who else? Clark. Room is sh- yeah. Clark. So, so three people they, they can't trust: Doc and Gary, because of the whole business with the the key to the the fridge with the blood in it. Uh, and then Clark, because he spent a lot of time with those dogs. And they're shoot him up with morphine and just watch them. Mm-hmm. They should tie him up, shoot him up with morphine. Yeah. I think so Fuchs, Fuchs is still alive here, right? Thank uh, you. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's got to work on the new test. Mm-hmm. So seemingly, it's now a few days later. This will be apparent for what's going on with Blair a little bit later. Uh, McCready's drunk. And he's like leaving like a, like a captain's log. And he's going to hide the tape that he's recording. So, that, you know, if someone finds it later, they'll get an idea what's going on. But. He mentions that he thinks that the thing bursts out of people's clothes when they've changed, which is like why there's like shredded long johns, but the name tag ripped off. I love this shot of them uh, doing administering the morphine here. And then it's just like a child's in the background. It's just like strapping on a flamethrower and just like standing there at ready. Yeah. Um, Ironically, I believe none of the people they're morphine up are uh, the thing. No. Um, the classic line uh, from Kurt Russell, nobody trusts anyone. We're all very tired. And he like kind of pauses. He plays back that last line. And then he continues with, nothing I can do now but wait. Yes. So uh, McCready goes to check on Fuchs, who's like seems super suspicious. Um, since Fuchs says that since the creature only needs one particle to take over another being, they should all prepare their own meals and probably eat out of cans. So McCready like leaves this guy to work. Power goes out. Uh, and this is one of those things, too, where it's like uh, as Fuchs is walking around the dark, 
like the dark figure passes in front of him in the frame. Yeah, yeah. And it's he's never like, behind. what was that? Yeah. And then he, he goes outside. Uh, he's put a jacket on and he's looking around. And then he finds just some clothes out in the snow. And it's McCready's jacket. It's all tore up. And you're like, what? Yeah. And like this shot with him walking with the flare, it just looks so good. I, like, mm-hmm. I don't think you know because it's, it's such an 80s movie that doesn't seem as cinematic, but it, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the rec room, um, Fuse is telling everyone how a fuse is blown in the lab. Anyone who could have gone after Fuchs, so they get split up in groups. You know, there's paranoia. Some of them don't want to go with others. Also, the whole like pairing up thing is ludicrous to me. It should be like in threes, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, how how if you suspect one or more people, what do you do? I mean, sure, there's a there's a chance in threes that the other two people with you are things. I but... think that's that's the danger, isn't it? If it, it becomes a two against one situation. I don't know that you really have a good chance on one versus one. Um, so well, I think that the to... problem with two against one is that if two of them are imposters, they can say that the other one's the imposter. Hmm. It's not just a, if it's one on one, then it's like, well, if you know one of you kills the other, then we know who's the imposter kind of thing. Also, we don't know that they want to get to a civilized you know, population center and take over the planet. Don't we assume might... that they do? They might just want to go home. Well, who knows, yeah. Um, so McCready goes to check on Blair through the little peephole thing in the tool shed. I don't know why there's a little peephole thing in the, to- the tool shed. I just love the noose. I'm feeling yeah. a lot better now. I hear funny I things come- out here. I want to come inside. I'm so not going to hurt anybody. He's a thing now, right? I would think. He asks him if he's know. come across Fuchs, and he says it ain't Fuchs. Um, but to, to me, I, I assume that he's a thing now because he was going to kill himself and now he's not mm, because okay. he's been infected by presumably like Norris or Palmer. Well, I just love the, I'm not going to hurt anyone now. So see, you got my word on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all better. I'd like to come back inside. Yeah. So I, I, what I love about this movie is there's no good options to this. If Blair is still human, this is tragic. If he's a thing now, it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, so McCready, Nalls, and Windows are walking through the snow. They find Fuchs. They he's a burnt, he's like uh, you know, Owen and Baru burnt. Yeah. Yeah, um, they figure out it's him from the glasses, but he's just like a crispy little corpse under the snow there. And so he's burned himself alive or somebody burnt him. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. We don't know. Um the only thing Can you imagine that? Like you're like, oh shit, I'm about to become an uh you know, taken over. So I think my only cho- chance is to like douse myself in gasoline and burn myself alive well the problem is in the movie we're only shown like this like violent tentacled absorption thing mm-hmm. and presumably the it's the movie's also implying that there's something more subtle yeah that happens off screen yeah. um but yeah i don't know what i would what i would need to do to get to like the tibetan monk phase and this is where mccready notices that the light in his shack is on and so he's like hey you guys you know, go back inside. Me and or it's like me and Nalls are gonna go check out the shack, and then another just fade to black. Well, and it's it's the way he delivers it so ominous because he's like, when I left my shack yesterday, I know I turned off the lights. Well, and so it fades to black, and then we come back up on uh, Childs. He's just looking out the window, and now we we cut to another shot of that shack, but now the lights off in there. Also, it's forty five minutes later. We find mm-hmm. out. So the crew starts like boarding up the outside windows. This is when like. Norris sees something returning and appears to have like a little stomach ache. 
Yeah. Well, also there's a, a good bit before when uh, McCready going out there with, with Nalls and um, I think windows. He says like, if, if Blair comes back alone, shoot him basically. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like if we don't come back and Blair comes out without us, shoot him. Yeah. So Nalls returns. He's found that piece of McCready's clothes. Seemingly the same one that Fuchs found. He tells them that McCready's one of them and they're like, fine, sold. McCready's one of them. Mm-hmm. So McCready shows up. He wants to get back in. He is he's frozen solid almost. Well, the way he shows up, where first we just see the door handle moving, like somebody's yeah. trying to get in. And they're like, yeah. "What the fuck?" Well, and Childs is immediately like, "Let the motherfucker free." Oh, he's like, "Nothing could have survived out there," you know. Yeah, nothing human. So McCready like uh, breaks in through like another like, like supply room or something. It has to like they axe their way inside to that. We see McCready, he's got snow in that big beard. He's got a flare and some dynamite, and he threatens to blow the whole camp if they come after him. It's it's McCready, not communicated super well visually, but like they have these guidelines from place to place. And I think the idea is that the visual uh the um what, what do you call it? Visibility. The visibility is so poor at night that like if you detach from that guideline, you're toast. Right. Because you can like lose your sense of direction mm-hmm. and just be stuck up there. Um so I don't remember if he like just intuits that Childs was the one who like wouldn't let him back yeah. in. And he says to Childs, you asshole. And Childs is like, yeah, you would have done the same. So this is when Norris collapses. They, and also remember, presumably the whole thing is in crisis mode, human beings want to band together, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's got this fucking flare out like six inches from this just coil of dynamite. Uh, man, there's just all these sparks lying around. I just it just seems that that stuff could blow in any second there. I'd be yeah. like, can you can you move the flare a little bit further away from your fistful of dynamite? <laughs> Please give me six inches. But like this is his power move. He's just like, oh, you yeah. try and kill me. I've got a shitload of dynamite and a fire in one hand. Who wants to mess with me now? And they're like, whoa, <laughs> man. So they get Norris into the infirmary so the doc can try to resuscitate him. And like McCready has like the flamethrower now and his dynamite in the corner. He's like just like strapped with dynamite. He has dynamite all over him. Yeah. Um, And Child's just like, you have to sleep sometime. And McCready's like, I'm a real light sleeper, man. So we don't even know if Norris knows he's a thing yet. But this, again, my least favorite scene. Well, you got Clark Clark in the background is like got behind his back, like grabbed into a scalpel. From yeah. the like surgeon's tray, and now he's kind of holding it, you know, hiding it with his wrist because he wants to like sneak up and like try to like take out McCready. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doc gets the paddles out to break, uh, and and as he goes to like you know resuscitate Norris, something breaks open in Norris's stomach. The doc's hands go straight through, and like teeth in that giant stomach, teeth, yeah, just bite the doc's hands off. I mean the the effect doesn't look good because it looks like the teeth just grab the hands and then he like pulls. Mm-hmm. Like they separate, but um, it's real fucking gross. Uh, did you read about how they did this one shot of the doctor? Uh, I did not know. So there's a shot where he pulls back, um, kind of like an ET. They got uh, a person who was missing their hands. Oh, okay. And they put a mask put of the doctor that, actor in his that face. That makes sense. Man, it is so fucking gross to see this like chest mouth like chewing on the arms. Oh yeah, it's disgusting. Much like in ET. Half the time, ET is played by a, a young man mm-hmm. who has no legs. Um, yeah, so the monster like that crawls out of its stomach is like this plant spider thing with like growing a fresh Norris screaming head. Then his actual head slowly falls off. Well, there's something about the uh, there's all these kind of whipping tentacles whenever the thing oh. is revealed. They're just like whipping all over the place, like slime everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, like when it like 
shoots out like a tongue tentacle, like a venom, to like yank itself across the room before it grows spider legs and more eyeballs. Jesus fucking Christ. And it's just like, get back. I need to fucking roast this thing. Yeah, so they they just toast this one thing down. The head spider like almost crawls into the hallway to get away. And that's when Palmer's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh, a lot of uh, writing us online about like why, if Palmer is a thing, what does he point that out, you know? Presumably, I, I, I'm guessing there's an opportunity that you won't know you're a thing until you're in danger. I don't know. I feel like it's probably closer to you. Because when Palmer, Windows does see it too. So maybe he's just seen it, saying it to cover himself. Mm. So, you know, mm. Stay undercover. So later, because uh, they, they burn the head spider, thank God, um, which makes an inhuman howl. Uh, so later, McReady has an idea. They're going to tie everyone up. Um, you know, Childs doesn't want to be tied up, and Max says he'll kill him. To prove that, when Clark attacks that scalpel, Max just shoots him in the head, cold blooded. Blows him away, which, hey, man, you didn't have to try to attack him, Clark. Yeah, well, especially like you, you have half everyone else's IQ. This is not moving. Well, he's going for just like a sucker punch when yeah. uh, Clark has a gun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cl- McCready, and Clark yeah. or McCready, yeah. And McCready, like, he already has the gun kind of like all he has to do is rotate and pull the trigger. Yeah. So they like tie up Clark's dead body. And what I love about this is the way his head is is look is like angled. Every time they glance over at uh, Clark, his dead open eyes are just staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, which takes on a whole other meaning in a second. But yeah, so this Max got an idea um as he's like cutting up some wire. He says that uh that thing they just saw reminded him that, or made him think that every part of Norris's body was an individual thing. Because the head was trying to like escape on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you'll notice here as they pan across everyone that Palmer is the only one that doesn't have an eye light. Um, so McCready's just like, you see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. Um, but he says, that, you know, when blood comes out of the things, they won't survive. It'll try to crawl away like from a hot needle. So he watches like Windows cuts Nall's thumb and gets some of his blood. Then Windows. Cuts his own thumb with the same knife? No, he he does a move where he kind of wipes, like wipes it on his leg, like a little back Not and forth. Good yeah. enough. Not good enough. Um, I mean, I don't so, know. if. Well, I guess I was going to say on the one hand, it's like you're all fucked anyway, but you don't want to get infected by the thing, right? So you wouldn't, if the, if uh, Nalls was the thing, you just infected yourself. Yeah, yeah. So Mac is like stripped of wire. He gets a hot off the flamethrower and he like jabs the hot wire into like a little petri dish of Windows blood. Seems to be human, you know, even though Windows is like fishy as fuck about it. Like Windows seems like relieved. Relieved, yeah. yeah. Like, whew. Um, like, I mean, how stoned do you have to be to not even know for sure if you're an alien? I think they must know. That's my, my personal headcanon for this movie. Is I, I think the, the thing imposters do know that they're imposters. Okay. So, um, McCready sticks the hot wire in his blood sample and he's fine. Like they um, test Clark. <laughs> oh yeah. He tests himself and he's like, see, told you so. And then he tests Clark and it's like, nothing happens. And they're like, you just murdered that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Charles is like, this is a crock of shit. And if you know, Clark's human, you're a fucking murderer. So they, McCready's they just Doc like Hopper. Palmer now. <laughs> yeah. They, they test Doc Hopper too. Um, Oh, so Gary, you know, Gary thinks this whole idea is fucked. And McCready's just like, Gary, you son of a bitch. You're the only one who could have messed with that blood. So you're going to, we're going to do you last. So yeah, they test Palmer and he's freaking out, realizes he's the thing. The blood. Okay. So this is a great shot too. Um, we see this great shot of like clearly what is a fake hand on Kurt Russell. Yeah. Holding the Petri dish as he jabs the wire in and like this thing just shoots out of it. 
right before that, that same exact like framing is how he tested normal blood. So mm-hmm. like your brain is like tricked into thinking this is just a normal shot and you get this legitimate jump scare mm-hmm. as Palmer then he's, his he's, head's well yeah, I mean I, I don't even know how his head splits open his, and like eats windows here. Well, it, like his head starts like the like Arnold's head at the end of Total Recall. Mm-hmm. It's like inflating. And like the other guys are all tied in chairs next to him. So they're just like, oh shit. Oh fuck, get us out of this thing. Um, Windows gets tossed like a rag doll because he's clearly a dummy. Yeah, I know. It's pretty funny to watch the dummy and shake around. Uh, bad move by Windows to just stare in horror at this thing, like landing in front of him and not just like light that thing on fire. Yeah, so McCready burns uh, Palmer. Burning Palmer runs through the wall like he's Kool Aid Man <laughs> into the snow, uh, where he gets burned again and then like a grenade thrown at him. Also, he went through that wall like it was. He, he throws one of the sticks of dynamite at him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, there's no insulation on these walls. They should be freezing to death. Um, so, McCready comes back and he burns what's left of windows. Uh, so then he, he tests Nall's blood. He's good. Uh, he gets Nall's to help him test Child's blood. Seems that like he's good. Gary's last. Um, uh, and, like, uh, Child's just like, get me out of here. Cut me loose. Get me the hell out of here. Uh, he doesn't want to be tied up next to, you know, Gary if he's the thing, which makes sense. Well, and so they've, they've tested the, the people we have left here. We've got Nalls, McCready, Childs, Gary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all pass the test. But well, the, still... Gary's line is pretty great. Yeah. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of the winter tied to this fucking chair <laughs> or fucking this fucking couch. But so they, as far as they know, they're all good except for Blair. Blair is the only X Factor now. So Mac goes to give Blair a test of Gary and Nalls, but they find that Blair is gone. He seemingly went through the floorboards, burrowed his way out of there, then replaced the floorboards. Well, so, he didn't burrow his way out of there. He burrowed this whole crazy tunnel to like a spaceship that he's been building like underground in this well, in this like underground snow cave. So he seemingly has made a cave for himself and mm-hmm. built a spaceship out of spare parts. I mean, that's. That's a fuck ton of work. So seemingly um, some time has passed. I, I feel like it's a little hard to follow exactly how much time has passed since like well, the, fir- the thing first showed up here. Because this is a lot of work. It's, it's like several trips to getting parts. The nearest marker of time I can think of is when they first lock Blair in the tool shed, they say like the storm's coming in six hours mm-hmm. or something like that. And then when we see McGreedy do the tape, he says the storm has been hitting us for 48 hours. So it's at least two it's at least days. a couple of days, and it's seemingly Blair got converted early to the thing and has been digging a massive snow cave and then assembling a uh, spaceship inside of it this whole time. So I mean, like if like a drop of blood can just slowly like eat and replace you from the inside, mm-hmm. fuck. Um, There's another yeah, cool so- shot of just like the the uh, empty shots of the facility here, like the empty hallway down into an empty stairwell you know and it's it's kind of like killer pov mm-hmm. and then there's you just uh, see a door that's open the all the weather like the snow is blown in well and you see the uh the the door the little stairs down to what we'll mm-hmm. find out later is the generator room um so back in the tool shed they're getting dynamite ready like Knowles is like standing guard seeing like childs like walking through the outside camp because they left childs behind who, like, who he thinks guard. is childs yeah yeah so the power goes out you know, in six hours, it'll be 100 degrees below. The thing wants to freeze and go back to sleep for a while, you know, until the rescue team shows up. So McCready's like, I want to warm things up around here. And he says, we're not getting out of here alive, but neither is that thing. Also, 
if you took a shot every time they used the word thing, mm-hmm. you'd be drunk. Well, this is when they finally kind of acknowledge the uh, right on the wall here. Hey, man, none of us are making it. Yeah, we yeah. all we all shouldn't make it. We, nothing can leave this compound. Uh, at one point, they drive the snowcat through a wall in the complex and like smash a hole in its gas tank. So it's like just like shooting gasoline out of it. So now they go find or they roll a whole thing of dynamite under the spaceship to blow it up. And then they go and find, I guess they just have massive amounts of dynamite at this compound. Well, they're just rampaging. And this is the future Democrats want, for sure. But, uh, yeah, shit's blowing up, and they go down to the generator room. They're throwing a ton of Molotov cocktails, like, into every room that they're in. They're just, like, going down the hall, tossing in Molotov cocktails. While they're also, like, loaded down with, like, dozens of sticks of dynamite, I would just be very careful. You know? All this explosives on me, and I'm just, like, lighting up Molotov cocktails with flares left and right. You're three seconds away from a Dr. Arts. Yeah. Um, the generator room is just apparently a giant ice cave. And I don't quite know what goes on here because Gary's like, generator's gone. McCready's like, any way to fix it? And Gary's like, it's gone, McCready. Mm-hmm. So did, did did like they smash it or did like Blair take the generator? I assume Blair took the generator maybe to like run his spaceship or something. I don't okay. know. Okay. Um. So McCree says they need to blow this whole place up and take it down on the ice. So they start splitting up to like plant charges down there. But they're not Gary's, even like super split up. They're like, look 50 feet down the hall. You can see me type of split up, you know? Right, right. So Gary's doing that. Blair shows up. He just like shoves his hand into Gary's face. Yes. It's... Like we watch his fingers moving around under the skin. It's so gross. Yeah. And um, it's just like right down the hall, kind of like ducked around the corner type of thing you know you see blair kind of like looking around like oh is anyone hear me while i do and, this and he drags gary away mm-hmm. by the face skin yeah. well this is where Nalls is just like uh hey what was that and like if i were Nalls, i would not be going investigating on my own i'd be like yo mccready <laughs> like yeah seriously did you did, seriously. where'd gary go come on come with me you know yeah yeah uh so eventually mccready's wired all these wires up to the one of those i don't know what they're called those things Detonator. push down and make boom um and so he starts to realize that he's alone possibly so he lights a stick of dynamite the thing attacks it's like bursting through floorboards kind of like uh the sandworms from tremors mm-hmm. it's like a big ass gross thing now um it's it's I, just this massive fleshy monstrosity yeah well there's a there's a funny part where it knocks a hole right by the detonator and it just like falls into mm-hmm. it like you can't get this now so you know mccready has kind of like his version of the the line from they live like yeah Fuck you too. Well, throw some dynamite. before this, he's like lit this stick of dynamite with a long fuse, and he like drops it at a certain point and has to go find it and pick it back up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he throws it. And we just cut to outside, and you just see this massive explosion. The whole base goes up pretty much. You hear a very high pitched whine of the creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later, McCready's like, like walking through the burning wreckage, and he just sits down to have a drink. And who should show up? A child's. And they clearly don't trust each other. And Child's like, oh, yeah, I thought I saw Blair and I lost him in the storm. And then you have all the dialogue. It's great. Uh, so it's Child shows up. He's uh, McCready's kind of just like collapsed under some sort of like outdoor shelter or something. Obviously, these guys are going to freeze to death soon. Uh, right. And uh, Child's is aiming the uh, flamethrower at him. I don't have it all like broken down my person. Let me uh, just send it to you. Okay. Quick and we, can, uh, we can do this. Which one do it be? Um, I don't know. I guess it'll be McCready. Okay. Child says, fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. 
How will we make it? Maybe we shouldn't. Hey, if you're worried about me. If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. It's very bleak when, yes. when you kind of think about it. It's like, these two guys are freezing to death. One of them might be the thing. And uh, and it's just like, yep, the whole base is on fire. They're definitely going to die uh, unless it so happened that, like, you know, a rescue mission was on their way to them at just this moment. Like, these guys would be dead in an hour, you figure, right? Oh, yeah. They'll be like, as, as soon as the uh, fire goes out. They're about to be like Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. And, like, it's a note, like, where we leave them that I feel like shouldn't work, but it, it totally does. Apparently they filmed different endings where there was some sort of magical rescue at the end and stuff like that, but this is much oh, better. Dumb. Yeah. All right. Complaints? Um, it's a little unclear how much time was passing. I think they could have done a little bit better job of letting you know um, just you know how, how much time has elapsed. It would make a little more sense if it's been several days or a week as far as like Blair building a whole spaceship, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, my biggest complaint is the big creature underground in the generator room. I just don't think that's the best iteration. That was probably like they, they'd reached as far as they could go effects wise by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I could see the complaint that because the gore is so disgusting and over the top, people may tend to focus on that, especially if they're squeamish. I think that was pretty much the problem with all the, the reviews they got at the time was mm-hmm. that critics like, couldn't get past the gore to like fair, to, to recognize that there's like actually a pretty compelling setup and, and concept happening and you know like it was just like the gore was so disgusting that they they were just stuck on it yeah, i mean totally fair because it that kind of shit's not for me at all yeah um but yeah i did you ever see the prequel no it's like i was i remember seeing i like getting the dvd or or something like not long after it came out um and foolishly being like hopeful uh it like it learned like none of the lessons of this movie like, well to me I that's just like, like the classic like i know how it ends what am i watching for type of- well and like it's like a thing too where the the thing attacks other people like drop of the hat mm-hmm. like here it like it's smart about like it, it won't really go after people unless it's like identity is threatened um there is something that's answered in the prequel though which is mary elizabeth winstead tells us that the things can't copy inorganic shit right so right so one of the theories is that childs has like an earring on yeah, yeah. so he yeah. um the other thing about the thing prequel which is foolishly just called the thing um the movie was kind of hyped as the return of practical effects and then right before it was released they replaced all the practical effects with cg <laughs> of the exact same thing nice and it looks terrible you can see the effects work on on youtube or whatever mm-hmm. so i mean uh, so you think that childs is not the thing but mccready is I think if any of them is, it would be McCready. See, I would be the opposite. Why do you think if any of them is, it's McCready? Because um, I think we're so keyed up to think it should be Childs. There's also the earring thing. I like the idea that, like, you know, since we saw McCready, you know, down in the generator room, which did not seem like a place where you would walk out of unscathed. I, I guess, like, like how that- how is he a thing? Like, it, to me, like, we've been watching McCready the whole time 
we haven't seen Childs for a good chunk, so it seems well, more I likely. Think, I think he he's a, be. I think he's a recent thing. Is my thing. But like when, like, like somewhere after the explosion or something down in the generator room, somewhere around there. To me, that that doesn't make sense because he just blew up the thing. I think also, again, the rules are not totally spelled out. Yeah, true. It's like enough for you to be freaked out, and that's that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 more horrific version of this movie, and I think it doesn't work at all because what it's actually about would be like if you lost the blood test. What do you mean? Like if, if there was no it? way. Like if there's no way for you to determine who's the thing or not. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, pure horror. Personally, I don't think either of them is a thing. I think that's most likely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of like there is no correct answer. I think that the point is yeah. that you don't know. So like it isn't idea. like a secret answer is the correct one. And congratulations, you guessed right type of thing. To me, it's, it's right. the paranoia is the, the point of it. Yeah. I mean, I, all the things you mentioned that the thing could be a stand in for. Mm-hmm. I like that it's an idea, and now that it's in between the two of them, they'll never trust each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, make one change. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a good movie. It works. Mine's pretty minor. I would just take out the whole spaceship thing at the beginning. I just mm-hmm. don't think you need it. I think you can just start the movie with the helicopter in Antarctica, and you don't really need to see like the cheesy like Star Trek effects there at the beginning. Which is clearly, it's not even like, it's not even like uh, um, Close Encounters effects. It's like, uh, do you remember Batteries Not Included? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's such a contrast to the rest of the movie, which has this very organic, grounded vibe. Um, I just feel like tonally, it's like way off. Well, and you know what it reminds me too is, I remember watching the X-Files movie and being shocked that there was like a Neanderthal prologue. I don't even remember that now. Before the Texas boy falls down the thing, there's like a, a prologue of like the exact same thing where like 100,000 years ago, this alien spaceship crashed. It's weird. It's fucking weird. Oh, so I should talk about the Among Us game a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a game you can play online. It's like, it's very kind of like, you know, 8-bit, 16-bit looking. Like it's not like super graphically intense or anything like that. Um, and you, you play it with like six to 10 other people. And the whole thing in the game is like one of you is the imposter or maybe even two with large groups. And you're supposed to like, you're on like a spaceship and you're supposed to be going around completing tasks. Um, but one of you is the imposter and your job is to, uh, kill other, you know, people on the team without being caught. And so each time someone dies, if somebody else finds their dead body, they can call a meeting and they can vote on who they think the imposter is by like, you know, I saw so-and-so was near the body when I found it or so-and-so wasn't doing their tasks, that kind of thing. But it's all like social manipulation type stuff. And so if you're the imposter, it's your job to convince people not to vote for you. Uh, So it's werewolf or like secret Hitler, but a video game. I guess so. Yeah. Um, Jenny Nicholson posted a few videos of her doing it where she was the imposter and she convinced people that she wasn't. It's pretty hilarious. Um, but it's, I don't know, I guess, I guess that's like a kind of a, a little hit video game out right now. Cause it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's the social manipulation. I'm sure there is some skill involved in, uh, you know, maneuvering your character around cleverly, but a lot of it's just how, how good are you lying type of thing, which I like. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, let's okay. do our power rankings. Uh, I have 12. I have 13. Oh, wow. Go for it. Number 13. I have Clark, you fucking loser. 
I owe Clark it's, a 12. You just got to watch out for those dudes who care more about dogs than humans. I'm just saying. Uh, which is, he's, he's just a creep. <laughs> yeah. You died for no reason, you ass. Yeah, he's just a, he's a stupid creep, too. Mm-hmm. That makes it even worse. What's your 12? My 12 is the Norwegian. Oh, okay, good. I just feel like he can't just start showing up, speaking a different language from the people there, and, like, firing a gun. And not expect to get shot or any kind of retaliation, you know? Also, we didn't talk about this. The Norwegian has those glasses that I've only ever seen on either Bebop and or Rocksteady. I can't remember oh, yeah. which is which. Mm-hmm. Like the little slit yeah, yeah, glasses. Little slit. Mm-hmm. Um, my number 11 is Norris. Okay. Because he's like the most, I feel like, ill-defined of, of what his role is on the team until like, he's like tummy ache. I think he must be something on the scientist side, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Palmer at 11, just because he kind of seems like a real burnout. I wonder how much of these will fall in line. I have mm-hmm. Palmer at 10. Okay. I got, yeah, Palmer just seems like no fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got Windows at 10. Uh, oh, you know what? I, I doubled up at some point. So okay. no, at, ten, at uh, 9, I have George, because he seems like an asshole. Wait, who's George? George is uh, Bennings, the guy oh, who shot. Yeah, I didn't even list that guy. Yeah. Um, I've got Dr. Copper at nine. Oh, cool. Um, at eight, I have got Gary. Okay. I've got Norris eight. I'm not really sure why he's that high because he sucked. Um, yeah. But I, I guess he gets some credit for the creepy like head alien thing. Okay. Um, oh, you know what we that's... haven't mentioned is uh, how much the faculty is a ripoff of this movie. Oh, for sure. And yeah. not in a good way. God, that movie's a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> that was like the big other... I guess what Kevin Williamson like proves that he has legs, but he doesn't. I just remember Harry Knowles gushing over that movie because he got like a bit part in it. Ugh. Yeah, or cameo, not even part. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Harry Knowles. No, no one does. Kind. What I'll say is extremely not kind. Mm-hmm. Um at seven. So at seven I have Knowles, and this is where I also tacked on Windows because I forgot I to put him on here. Okay. Knowles seems okay and Windows, I don't know, whatever. I've got Gary at seven. Um, tried to keep a level head through most of it. Hmm. Um, at six, I've got Fuchs. Okay, I've got Nalls at six. Okay, at five, I have Doc Copper. I've got the dog at five, which honestly could at, even be higher. Yeah, I have the dog at four. Okay. Yeah, I mean this. The dog is like just the dog acting is incredible. It is really like good. the whole the hallway scene. There must have been so many like camera people and like the trainers and yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got Fuchs at four, mostly just because I, I liked his vibe. And he was just like, hey, man, you talk to you out on the cat, you know, and like, I don't know. I like a, a good doomsday prophet. Okay. He just seems suspicious there to mm-hmm. me. Um, do you want to be a prophet railing against the injustices <laughs> of our time? Yeah. We should do network at some point. That would be a trip. A movie that only you and I have seen out of our entire audience. <laughs> I'm sure other people have seen network. Um, you should have. watch network. Mm-hmm. It's a 2020 as fuck movie. <laughs> um, at three, of course, I've got Wilfred Brimley as Blair. Okay, yeah, I've got Blair. I'm, I'm sure he, Child's Two, McCready one. Of course, yeah, of course. I mean, it's hard to really uh, break out of the box at this. I feel like they're all pretty well defined here. Yeah, yeah. But fun movie. This is mm-hmm. only maybe the second time I've watched it, so it's a nice trip down memory lane. It's not a movie. It's not like the movie I'm gonna. You know, I'm not going to like put this on all the time or whatever. It's not like a comfort movie. 
there are probably so many movies, so many horror movies specifically that I watched when I was in college because that was like my horror phase. I was right. just like watching shit tons of horror movies and just tons of really bad horror movies. This is not one of them, but yeah, I, I almost feel like I, I horrored myself out because I, I rarely watch them anymore. So that was your orgasm mm-hmm. phase. Nice. So what's next in our orgasm? Orgasm 2020. Uh, I guess it's got to be no escape, right? And then we'll have one final slot where we figure out a fourth horror movie there. Okay, so we're gonna watch the Keegan Allen mm-hmm. YouTube breakout. Is it? Was that like on Netflix? I downloaded it. I don't know where it's to find. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure it's nowhere to find. I mean, did it just come out this year? I don't even know anything it, about it. It came movie. out on September 18th. Okay. So it's probably like just like general VOD. I think it was originally called Follow Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, it's, like I said, I don't think he's a star. According to the, it seems like it's a Hall and Roden movie and they just, the trailers cut it like it's about the Keegan Allen character. <laughs> it's like we need that Keegan Allen star power. The Keegan Allen bump. Mm-hmm. This is going to be real bad. Wait, let me check the runtime on this. What are we looking at here? Uh, where the fuck is the runtime? 88 minutes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome it's gonna be a breeze oh you know it's trash <laughs> the user reviews it looks like it's got five out of ten stars and the, the the headline of the review just says mildly entertaining that's kind fuck yeah all right and we'll we'll, we'll try to do real for me for the last one well again open to suggestions sure all right well uh until then have a good one go by trouble else finds me in bookstores now ish yep. yep all right take it easy all right bye bye bye